0: Kira's 17th birthday and she just won a golden ticket along with a plus one to surf at Surf Ranch.
1: My name is Kim Kira McGee Stanley. I'm 16. Oh no, I'm 17 now and where am I from? I'm from Encinitas, California.
0: Happy birthday by the way. Thank you. Uh, what are you doing up here all the way from Encinitas?
1: Well, this is my birthday celebration. I was coming just to hang out, maybe see Kelly, some other pros. And no, I had no idea that this was going to happen. I was shaking up there. Obviously, you can see that. I was about to cry.
0: (laughs) So what's your background as a surfer?
1: I've been surfing for seven years. I learned at San Diego Surf School. And I've I've surfed every day up until last year in high school. I started feeling sick. I started getting headaches and um, tired all the time. Soon we found out that, you know, can I say it? Should I say it? Okay. We went to the doctor and found out I have a DIPG brain tumor. And um, if you don't know what that stands for, it's diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. And basically it's in my brainstem, stem, intertwined. So it's very rare and occurs in six to ten year olds. And, yeah,
2: I changed my life. The general prognosis is 9 to 12 months.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: Um, but she's already at 11 months. And uh, so we're doing an a, um, experimental treatment in Mexico. Oh, wow. And so...
0: What does that consist of?
2: Uh, it's interarterial um, chemo treatment. So they go in through her main artery and deliver the chemo directly to the tumor. And um, so, yeah, she... She's completely stable right now. It hasn't grown at all, and it's a really aggressive tumor. So the fact that she ha- it hasn't grown is very, very good news.
0: Um, what do doctors in Southern California think about that, or what's their response to it? We have
2: a we have a local doctor that um, is partnering with us as well at Radies. Okay, and um, he is amazed. Wow. Yeah, he basically said without this treatment that she would have um, you know have more symptoms and. You know, had had more consequences, but she's doing really well. She's she's breaking all the rules right now.
0: That's fantastic. I didn't know any of this backstory. Yeah, amazing. Um, So, what's your experience been like here at Surf Ranch for the event? Amazing. Has it
1: absolutely amazing? There's the layout is super great. You can walk along the side. It's not really a sidewalk. You can walk along the side of the wall and see look over any spot and see a surfer and. Oh, I don't even know. I just see pros around, hanging out, and just, it feels like a movie.
0: And now you can take notes on how they're surfing, knowing that you're going to surf it, too. Oh,
1: yeah, I should, probably.
0: Who's your pick for the women's side of the event?
1: I just met Lakey, but it's Carissa. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lakey.
0: What about for the men's side?
1: Oh, man. So, it's got to be Kelly.
0: You gotta go, know, Kelly.
1: Everyone's great. There's Kelly, Jordy, Julian. And-
0: awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. welcome back to day four of off script presented by hurley live at the surf ranch pro also presented by hurley a couple of updates and listener feedback before we get into the show By the time you listen, this event will likely be finished, but uh, going into day four, the women's final four are decided in order, starting with the highest scores, Carissa Moore, Lakey Peterson. Uh, So by the way, Kira, your Carissa Moore pick yesterday is looking pretty good right now. So we got Carissa Moore, Lakey Peterson, Caroline Marks, and then Stephanie Gilmore. And again, hotly contested title race between Lakey and Steph, and uh, Steph is currently in the lead on the World Tour rankings. But Leakey going into final day um, looking prime and this could really position them amazingly going into the last couple of events. Everyone's starting from, everyone is starting from scratch today though, so their qualifying scores no longer matter. Everyone gets six waves, the men and the women, three rights, three lefts, and then their best right and best left get combined for their final heat total. It's easy to assume that um, three waves either direction allows for the surfer to just go huge because you can fall on two, all you gotta do is complete one. I think they go big on their first wave and just work from there. My prediction is whoever risks everything, either before or going into the barrel, will win. Safety surfing before the barrel or nursing the barrel itself and then trying to do an air at the end of the wave simply ain't gonna cut it. Uh, And I actually wanna see something that we've never seen before, and I think we will. I think Gabriel might be the guy to deliver it. I think Julian and Felipe can go huge and do variations on what we've already seen from them. But I expect Gabe, I wanna see a backside barrel roll from Gabe of course by the time you hear this all of that will be sorted out and then i this is kind of so i should have just waited to record this portion until the end of the show Nevertheless, I don't have the time. It is crunch time. I want to get these out immediately for you to listen to right after the competition. But let me get into one listener comment real quick before we get into the show. He said, quote, this off script feature has me doing exactly what I told myself I wouldn't be doing this weekend after losing interest in the event after watching day one, which is actually paying attention to the event after all. Here's a few observations if you don't mind. As a 44-year-old longtime wave rider at the Jersey Shore, I am certain there has never been anything in surfing that is more of a spectacle of the absurd that I can recall. I feel like I'm watching Sean White or Kelly Clark at the top of an icy pipe at the X Games or Olympics. Not sure I like it, but obviously that's where the future appears to save the surf industry from its bloodletting demise. Oh, the irony! I'm ranting all of this at 8 a.m. East, East Coast Standard Time or Eastern Standard Time in Jersey, where groundswell from Florence is currently being ripped apart by local heavy onshore winds. So, if David or Chaz sees this before the day begins out west in the cow field, can we please, please see a Chaz? Dirk Confrontation live on Instagram? If not, maybe a Chaz and Ashton rematch? Thanks, guys. Keep up the superb work, end quote. Thank you for that comment. Unfortunately, Chaz bailed yesterday. He drove four hours up here just to stay for six hours and then drove an additional four hours home. So he's gone. Scott Bass flew home yesterday. They were both only here for um, part of the day. But Great take. I appreciate that comment came through on surfsplendorpodcast.com. I just actually launched a redesigned website, by the way, Um, streamlined, easy to find what you need. It's about 90% complete, actually. Uh, But go and check that out and then fill out our Hurley Pro Series poll. The first five people to correctly pick the Hurley team athlete to win this event will win a prize pack of their Pro Series apparel. And it's also just a rad way to support your favorite surfer. I've seen Felipe's dad wearing Felipe's gear, Julian's fans wearing his tee and waving his scorpion flag along the side of the pool. Show your athletes your support. And also, by the way, take advantage of our 20% off discount on Hurley.com by using the promo code podcast. It applies to all full-priced items until October 7th, just one month but they wanted to um, support the listeners who have supported this show and this content. They're helping me out a lot here. So I win, you win, we all win, and potentially much more of this uh, contest coverage content to come in the future, because I think this has worked out really nicely for all of us. The feedback from you, the listeners, has been really kind. So thank you for that. And without further ado, enjoy the final day of Off Script presented by Hurley day four at the surf ranch pro presented by hurley as
3: the clock winds down joe he now realizes he's the new world number one julian wilson is your 2018
4: quicksilver pro champion and your new number one on the jeep leaderboard wilson wears yellow heading into bells beach lakey peterson is your 2018 Roxy Pro Champion, Italo Ferreira, is your Rip Crow Pro Bells Beach Champ, sharing the lineup with Nick Fanning in his send Stephanie Gilmore takes her fourth belt.
3: And Felipe Toledo now basking in the golden glow of victory. The rare champion, Steph Gilmore maintains that yellow jersey going to Bali The one performance from Lakey Peterson, good signs. I think we are going to have an absolute crack of a year this year.
4: Italo Ferreira is your champion of the Corona Bali Protected, presented by Hurley. And Likey Peterson hangs off for the victory, her second of the season. William so takes out Uluwa
2: Joanne Defay takes the win here at Uluwatu. And Felipe Toledo is your champion here in 2018.
4: Stephanie Gilmore is the 2018 Corona Open J-Bay champion. And Courtney Conlogue gets a major win here at the Vans. U.S. Open of Surfing, taking out world number one's Stephanie
0: Gilmore. Here with Sebastian Zietz. What are your thoughts about, like, the nerves regarding this event? Do you think that they actually help? you perform, you personally, or do they actually distract and make it more nerve-wracking?
4: I think it's kind of, it's pretty similar to the ocean. I thought it was going to be a lot more nerve-wracking, and um, maybe if I didn't get to surf the wave as much as, you know, I did, they made it pretty accessible to us, so I had to spend a lot of time up here, and um, probably more nervous just standing on the ramp, but it's kind of the same way as as the ocean, when you hit the water, it all kind of disappears, and you're going surfing. Like you've done a million times, just this time it's you know you're gonna get the wave.
0: <laughs> so along those lines, when you know you're gonna get barreled, is the barrel um less exciting than it is in the ocean?
4: Um, I think every time you come back and you know you've been surfing not in the pool and and then you come back here and that first time you get barreled you're like, Wow, it's like it really is a mesmerizing thing and definitely for anyone who comes here who like hasn't been here that's all you want to do is get barreled it's definitely the best most amazing part of the wave as a surfer but as a fan of course doing a giant air at the end is probably the most pleasing for everyone but
0: the it scores for its magic. You know, the scores kind of reflect it. Where Gabriel like outrun, outran the barrel, did the corrupt flip. Felipe went past the second section on the right, did the big alley oop. Those ended up being the highest scores of the day.
4: Um, yeah, I just think you know those show a lot of commitment. I think a lot of guys, a lot of guys, were kind of maybe not getting as much points for um, coming out of the barrel and then doing an air because you're not really in the biggest part of the wave. You know, the wave kind of dies out after the barrel. So, uh, yeah, they're doing it in the most critical part of the section. On the right, you already have a really long barrel through the middle, so you already got one barrel, so I think that's how to get the huge scores.
0: Another indicator of is just are you excited to watch it or not. When you see an Instagram clip show up with somebody at Surf Ranch, do you sit through the whole 60 seconds and watch it?
4: Um, it's definitely lost a little bit of magic, like, as far as... Yeah, like, the first time you saw it, you're like, whoa, second time, whoa, like, third time, ah, fourth time, like, but it might be different for me, because I have to compete in it, but if someone starts off really good, then I'm definitely going to watch the whole wave, um, but, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I don't know, I've heard a lot of people saying that they think it's, um, they think it's boring watching it, um, I think when you're actually down here, I think it's a lot, I think it's actually a lot cooler than everyone thinks, you know, it's pretty amazing seeing the wave come down for the first time and just thinking, wow, like, you know, you got to you gotta go back and remember that we all dreamt of this when we were kids, you know, and now it's here in your face and I almost think it's like a cool thing to do to rag on stuff these days, you know, everyone's like, it's not cool to put in a good opinion about anything, so... I don't know. I think a lot of people are hating on it pretty hard.
0: (laughs) Totally. Yeah. That's what the internet's for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So that's actually kind of a perfect segue to my next question, which is just this is the most similar to a sport that we've ever had in like this event itself, they've kind of turned it into a sport in that there's a leaderboard, um, the arena atmosphere, the predictability of the yeah. playing surface, all that stuff it's now more a sport than it ever was before is that a good thing or not?
4: Um, I think it's a. I think it's a good thing, you know it, it, now that I've been here and been in this comp and um, I think that you know, it's going to be it, if, if it was flipped around and, and everyone was raised looking at this and then we went into the ocean you know it'd be it's almost going to feel weird when I got to go back to the ocean and surf a contest but um, I don't think anything would could ever replace the ocean you know no matter how like how advanced the technology gets you know you'll never get the unpredictability of the ocean and especially the big barreling waves, you know, they'll never be able to reenact that and the danger that goes along with surfing pipe and chopu. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just a different thing, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where the judging goes, and in a way it could turn into a completely different sport to where they're just judging really airs and stuff, and you don't really always get the air section in the ocean, so... people might think that that's not as exciting but I grew up watching Andy and Mick and Joel and these guys who you know, they're not really well known for their airs, they're well known for their flow and their connection with the ocean so um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes
0: Have you surfed the pool in Waco?
4: I have surfed the pool in Waco Um, I think it's, uh, it's a lot shorter but I almost think that this wave is too long for the contest and that's why everyone's Like, everyone says it's boring because you don't want to fall because they've been obviously not scoring unless you finish the ride. And it is a fast, really long wave. So, in a way, you kind of have to safety surf it. And uh, the wave in Waco is really short, and you just get all your work done really quick, and the air section's insane. So, I think a mixture of the two in the future is going to be something impressive. Yeah, the fact that they can have all that other different waves and be cool to go there and and have and it's such a short period that you could fit a lot more surfers like we would all get like 10 waves in the Waco pool compared to this you know and and we could all do different have different waves and you could literally judge like you could have all of us have a turn wave all of us have a barrel wave and all of us have an air wave and judge us you know according to how we fit in in those conditions and find out who's the best overall
0: surfer. By the way, how's Kanoa, dude? Like, I feel like he, not only is he a great surfer, but like, his ability to embrace the crowd is yeah. I think why he's been able to perform here.
4: Yeah, totally. He's He's got this whole thing going with like his confidence and stuff, you know, and, and, uh, you know it really works for some people I kind of grew up in a big family and and you know as much as confidence helps I, I, I think that growing up in Hawaii and stuff you kind of learn to be like a humble hawaii who like you know doesn't really can't really think that you're great <laughs> like kind of that's like a, a thing like kind of frowned on but it, you know you need to have it in surfing and he definitely believes in himself 110% and that's why he's where he's at
0: I think confidence can be a key to success but humility can also be empowering if you can find a way to kind of utilize it you know um final question just who are your picks for the men and the women's
4: uh for me i think felipe is probably the best surfer in the pool he um really has been surprising me with his backside i kind of didn't know his backside was that good out here and he's just been really whipping it in the pocket and his first wave was insane um, but Medina, you know, Medina's been putting it together real well, too um, I think them, too Julian's definitely stepped it up with his airs, And Owen is right there, too, you know And, you know, it's hard to say because it's so different The left and the right are so different So I think the left is super rippable And it's hard to judge a backside guy is doing ten of the same turn When the frontside guys can do, you know, all kinds of different stuff and then and then but it's the same way on the right you know no one can do really a backside error on the right I feel like so
0: what about on the women's side
4: I think Chris is looking really deadly Chrisissa Chris and Lakey probably are the two going for it I got a pull for Carissa I just always thought that she was probably the best female surfer in the world ever since she was 10 years old <laughs>
0: Agreed. Awesome. Thanks for your time.
3: My name is Enzo Ackerman. I'm 11 years old, and I'm from Sayulita, Mexico. Oh. What are you doing here? Uh, well, we came to watch Jordi, surf the Surf Ranch and John John, but John John's not here this year. So. Are
0: those guys, your favorite surfers?
3: Yeah. Awesome.
0: Um, how in the world did you get the opportunity to surf the wave? I heard that you're going to be surfing it in 15 minutes.
3: I have no idea. <laughs> um, Pad just walked up to me and he was like, "Hey, if we get this confirmation, you're surfing a wave here." And I was like, "Wow."
0: So, did you just find out?
3: Yeah, just found out.
0: Uh, it's kind of a good thing actually, because you can't overthink it. Yeah. What, you, what are you going to do to prepare?
3: Well, I don't know. I'm probably just gonna. Yeah, I don't know. You're
0: gonna hunt. you gonna hunt the barrel, or are you gonna try to do a bunch of turns.
3: I'm, I'm going to play it kind of safe because I don't want to fall. Because if I only have one chance, I'm not going to ruin it. But I'm definitely going to try to get a barrel.
0: Awesome. Are you goofy foot or regular? Regular. What are you riding?
3: I ride Bronner Surfboards. They sponsor me from San Clemente, California. And, yeah.
0: Awesome. Do you feel any pressure with all the people watching and knowing there's cameras and all that?
3: Yeah, especially because when my mom heard, she was like, she told my dad to like, full speed, get to the car, get back home, grab her camera, come back, just full speed, trying to do that.
0: Amazing. Well, shake it off. No pressure. Just have fun. That's the best, best way to do it. Yeah. We're here with Wade Carmichael, potential rookie of the year. So firstly, is there any way to escape the nerves out here?
5: Uh, no you you experience the same thing over and over again so uh, I guess the more experience you have on the wave the easier it gets
0: (laughs) do you feel like the crowd kind of arena atmosphere um, heightens your excitement or does it add pressure actually
5: no I like it Um, it's kind of different everywhere you go but um, I don't really mind when the crowd's being loud and having fun it makes makes it a bit easier for us
0: I reckon I've got this theory that I've been developing that like the barrel was only valuable to us in surfing because it was so scarce in nature and you had to work so hard to get it I guess the ultimate teller would be just is it as exciting to get barreled out there as it is in the ocean uh,
5: no nah, I don't reckon uh, I can the coolest thing about getting barreled is either the takeoff. And um, like the yeah, entry, and here it's just like a little little check store, but the vision's good. The vision's sick, and that's that's one of the best parts about it because you get the vision every wave. But it's just that um, the entry is the fun part. I reckon. And, um,
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um, I've also got this ongoing conversation about how big. Sponsor contracts uh, for Groms, especially like the grooming, the management, all that stuff actually hinders the athlete's ability um, to win a world title. It'll certainly help you get on tour and all that sort of stuff, but when it comes down to like the gritty work ethic of grinding it out and winning a world title, um, I think it might actually hinder their ability. I'm asking you because of your personal experience. Um, you're in fifth place prior to this event kind of shaking out without a big contract. What do you think attributed to your success to be kind of in that top five?
5: Uh, I just love winning (laughs) and I hate losing. I really hate losing. So I guess that's where the grittiness comes from me and I I don't want to lose ever. (laughs) So I'm going to try my hardest to win every heat I can and make the most of my opportunities that I give myself.
0: If you are equally um, talented as your competitor, how do you grind out a win? Um,
5: you just got to—I don't know. You kind of—it's all different, different every time. But I guess you—you um, you just got to put down the hard, the hard work, and sometimes you got to put in a little bit of extra. And um, it's kind of different every time. You just got to—you yeah, just got to give it, give it your best shot at every single time you get there, and I guess that's grinding it out.
0: Uh, yours is among the most successful rookie seasons that we've actually seen in quite a long time. Maybe Caroline Marks is right up there too. Um, what do you think the biggest lesson that you learned has been this year that'll allow you to kind of be better prepared for 2019?
5: Um, like probably prep before the contests. They um, you think because it's like this two-week waiting period. you you got a long time on your hands. But this year we've had a lot of comps that have started on day one and. I've only been there for like two or three days before, and um, kind of felt felt a little bit rushed for round one. I've only had I only had two round one wins, I think. So um, I want to I want to get more prepared and win round one.
0: <laughs> uh, who is your pick for the women's event?
5: Steph was looking really good. I was pretty psyched watching her, but uh, I um. I've seen Carissa get a sick left and belted the bag out of it. And I think um, I heard Slater say that the left are going to win, be the decider, and win win someone this event. So if, it, if it's going off what the man says, it could be Carissa.
0: Who's your pick for the man?
5: Uh, I want Jul- Julian to win. I can he looked really good yesterday. He um that straight air he did was pretty tapped. I haven't seen anyone go close to saying that. And uh, I watched him in his free surf soon, he was looking good, um, pushing it pretty hard. But I think um, Felipe's still got a bit in the bag, and he, he was kind of got that, looks like at the barrel a bit more down pat than Julian, so that could be the decider,
0: I guess. Cool. That's your five minutes, dude. Thank you. Back for the second day in a row with fan favorite Nick Carroll. So. I got a message from a buddy today who was disappointed that you and Chaz had the mics to yourself yesterday. He's like, because he doesn't like Chaz, and he's like, man, Chaz um, adds nothing of value to the conversation. I wanted to hear you and Nick chat. So,
6: okay. so right. here we go well, let's, today. Let's let's do, let's do this. we got to give the fans what they want. Yeah, you do.
0: How do you feel about his comment about Chaz has no value?
6: Oh, I think that's disgraceful. How dare you say that about Chaz Smith, the only man so far to have- made a, a truly theological reference to this event um, the, he's right, this is um, Nietzschean right, man has killed God here in Lemoore repeatedly probably before even this pool showed up in fact <laughs> but you know, I love Chaz's vision for this place, it's like, it's, it's rad you can make whatever you want from it it can be theme parked it can be nuts if you want it to be just you know that's his vision but i don't think you can say he doesn't add value i mean i'm disappointed he's left already uh if the only value that he
0: provides is entertainment like in terms of provocation i think that's enough but he obviously adds more than that by the way we're looking at his vision of uh the wave pool right there it's on beach grit and by the way your your targeted ads are different than my targeted ads you've got a fishing ad you've got a Kanye West ad up oh there
6: Christ what the hell is that doing there let's go and find out what else is in Dunkin' Donuts. that's me genius that would be the best if we could go around to everybody's computer
0: and just see what their targeted ads <laughs> are that would be the best
6: I don't know where the fuck I got that one from but anyway
0: well hey so you and I were talking um, off air at the other end of the pool about I got another email from a listener who is Making a comparison, basically, an analogy or a metaphor that uh, watching this or surfing in this type of environment was similar to the one time he went to a whorehouse and he paid for sex and he got a more beautiful woman than he could ever, you know, get in real life. And yeah, it was fun, but he knew that he had paid for it and it's not nearly as enjoyable as actually going out in the ocean, fighting for it having to use all of your assets to negotiate and then get what ultimately might not be a very good wave, but you earned it. What are your thoughts on that?
6: Uh, yeah, look, I, I think that's kind of valid um, for sure. I mean, it's it's I've discovered an amazing statistic here while I've been here. I've discovered a few fascinating things about the whole situation of the pool, but the one that's blown my mind most is that they have revenue days here. Okay, and the revenue day is a day when people pay a huge amount of money to come and surf here in a group, right? And so, according to my unimpeachable sources, right, uh, fifty-five separate groups of people have paid fifty-five thousand dollars a day to come here and have a day in the pool. Okay, now the pool t- costs about eleven and a half thousand bucks to run for a full day. That's everything—the you know, the energy, the the um, employees, the lifeguards, the hospitality, everything. Okay, um, so that's like forty plus thousand dollars a day of profit. Uh, about two point three million dollars over the year that it's been doing that, um, and so that tells you something about this this place that it's it's a it's an exclusive confine. Um, another interesting person I talked to here. Was a guy called Jess Ponting, who's um, uh, got a PhD and God knows what else. He's one of surfing's very few public intellectuals, um, and uh, he dreamed up the Stoke Certified thing for surf camps in remote areas of the world. And uh, he's fascinated by wave pools, and his fascination, I think, is just from his uh, academic background, you know, which is all absorbed by postmodern theory and. Uh, uh, we talked about the various ways in which you could try to interpret this. He tried to use Baudrillard's theory of hyper-reality, uh, the way the world has be- become disnified that we've decided that reality's not good enough, that we have to have a disnification experience, where you, you walk into a theme park saying there's all these people dressed up as giant animals and, and there's these rides that sort of supposedly take you out of yourself and into this other weird sort of hyper real world um, and uh, we thought that well maybe that's not quite what happens here because you know what like the real hyper real world for a surfer is a fucking fantastic ocean wave right that's where you have the hallucinogenic surfing experience that grudge gun in, inside speed reef at eight feet or you know something like that right that's the hyper real experience and it's perfectly natural so it doesn't apply to surfing surfing is already hyper real um, uh, so we thought our way around this and we, we came ag- we decided that it was a good match for the theory of like open spaces and confined spaces okay? so an open space is a place which you come into and you can reinvent and make your own because it's open to interpretation for you, you know, like a surf spot, like especially a surf spot that you've never been to And maybe a surf spot that no one else has ever been to either, where you show up and suddenly you're picturing it like a surfer. Um, You know, some some of the listeners might have had that experience where they've gone to a spot, or they've they've grown up at a spot where they and their friends have named various sections or parts of a beach after after some aspect of its surfability, and and nobody else knows those names, right? It's they're available to surfers because you've you've actually renamed the place based on your surfing idea of it. So you've reinterpreted the space for yourself and you hold it, you hold that, you know, within and that becomes part of your picture of the spot. Like I'm classic cases, that I grew up at Newport Beach, you know, there's the there's the cove, the point, the peak, the um, outside path, the path, the pool reef, uh, and a little sandbar we call the pipes. And like no one else knows those names. Right? We just made them up <laughs> to the, fit the place. But the other kind of place, the opposite, is the place which is specifically designed by somebody for a single purpose. And there's no interpreting in that space. That you come in and it's a closed space. Uh, you, you, you have to submit to the space. And that's what this feels like to me. It feels like a space you have to submit to. That you don't get to, to choose a wave. The wave is made for you by somebody. Um that it can look like these pros are inventing stuff on the wave as they go, but like one of the big complaints I've heard from people around the world is like, oh, it's boring because they do the same thing all the time. They themselves are being submit they're being forced in some way to submit to the closed space as well. And I just find that like that's a that's a great way of picturing this place, that it's a closed space that you enter it and, and, and you have to kind of submit yourself to it. If you're not given to submitting yourself, then you're going to fucking hate it. okay. But if you can get your head around that and move past the submitting and start looking for things in it that interest you, then maybe there's a way of interpreting it for yourself.
0: So my question is, in the public space, isn't it also... Um, you're just playing with a larger number of variables in that space. There's more data points, but you're still playing by nature's rules. you know. So in this manufactured place, they haven't designed as many variables as nature is able to. But a kid could still, a kid from Lemoore, the kid that lives on the other side of that fence right there, could. He learned how to surf here three years ago by Raymana. Mana. He's probably identified sections of the wave and he's named them just like you and your friends at Newport did. Is oh. his experience less valid than yours growing up?
6: Oh, uh, no, not at all. I don't, I'm don't. not really talking about the validity of experience. That's a bit weird, that one, I think. I've never trusted uh, the idea that some experiences are valid or invalid. That seems silly to me. We're all trapped in space-time, you know? <laughs> like, we're all just trundling along, right? But underneath it the fact is that people have designed this okay a human has gone in there and designed it it can be redesigned by humans over and over again you know um in that way it, it starts feeling a little bit more like the hyper real
0: so who is nature designed by
6: yeah exactly <laughs> oh oh my god yeah let's not go there
0: um The podcast platform is perfect for that, but we probably don't have the time here. Um, What do you think has been, what have been the most interesting conversations that you've had? I've interviewed a handful of pro surfers and um, no offense, pro surfers, they're not the most interesting conversations. And when we watch the WSL events online, obviously it's almost solely focused on what's happening on the wave and the pro athletes interpretation of that behind the scenes that's not my experience at all what what's been the most interesting thing for you
6: uh well i don't know i don't know about the pro surfers david to be honest i often have quite interesting conversations with professional surfers um they often start out in a place where we're sort of comparing notes about some aspect of surfing or competition and then they expand into other stuff um I had a funny conversation with Connor Coffin yesterday. Uh, I, I made sure I quizzed everybody who bombed out yesterday about their experience here and and about where they felt it fit, you know, and all that stuff. And um, Connor uh, let his guard down for a moment and he said something fantastic, which I really responded to. He said, um, look, as, as long as this is what I do in order to continue my surf bum life, it's fine with me. <laughs> And then he quickly qualified it. It's still fun. Are, I know it's still fun, Connor. But like that was a real insight into how pro surfer thinks. Like, be honest, they just, dude, they're just on the, they're on the um, teat, really. You know, they're just they're uh, doing this stuff so that they can go to sick surf spots and surf them whenever they freaking want for as long as they possibly can in their lives. Which to me sounds like what every super hardcore surfer does with their lives, you know. And I think that one of the faults with the WSL is their lack of perception of that and their lack of willingness to get the pros into human contact with the vast audience. To see these guys and girls as humans, not as just kind of competitive machines or talk bubble people, you know, um, I'm just like why do you do that to people like you know maybe other sports do but maybe they don't you know don't you feel they've done a good job of it here like the vip
0: area all the pros are just lounging hanging out amongst the crowd
6: yeah that that's kind of cool and you don't see that at every contest that's for sure yeah. um but like there's another 1500 people <laughs> around here who aren't getting that experience i guess that's why the vip's paid 500 bucks right
0: and and that experience isn't available to people online, which is arguably the vastest audience.
6: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that has changed a bit too, probably. Like, I think once upon a time, like, a lot of people knew the pro surfers because you grew up with them or one of them or whatever, you know, and maybe the surfing world itself was a bit smaller. Now I feel like there's a lot of people out there who have never met any of this crew, and they don't really even know anyone at their local beaches really that great. You know, have got their eyes on the prize or anything. So there's no human connection at that level.
0: Yeah.
6: Um, You were saying Connor Coffin
0: was the guy that made that comment. Yeah, yeah. Um, With any job, there's definitely the hard kind of slogging hours that you got to put in. What's the toughest part about your job? My job. What is your job?
6: Um, well, I'm a writer and journalist. I actually do a lot of other stuff aside from coming to these things and writing about fucking professional surfing or whatever. Um, uh, so, um, I have many tasks, you know. Like I'll go home from this and I'll go back into a place where I'm uh, interviewing and 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 working through storylines for a feature film about the uh, Australian rock band Midnight Oil and their trip through Australian social history. And, uh, and uh, so that's a completely different world, right? And it's, it's more intellectually taxing uh, and really fascinating to me because um, I like feeling connections between things and there's a real connection between that band and what's happened in Australia over the last 40 years or so. So we're going to build a really great movie out of that. Be, it's fun. Um, that's different to here, though. I guess my job here is to like see if I'm interested. Am I interested? I'm, I used to be super interested in this gig. You know, um, I'm less interested these days, but I'm still fascinated. So
0: I just didn't, there's a Grom on a wave right now. As an 11 year old, I, I actually just interviewed this kid. He is, He said he was going to definitely try to hunt the barrel, which yeah. he kind of outran that first section. I think he
6: did fine. Did, was he getting tubed? Yeah, I think he did fine. He would have felt like he was getting barreled. He's about to sort of come into the last section now. You see it building and it's going to swing on him. And it's cool because he's got Ramona yelling at him. He's gone too high and he's gone over the pool. That, that by the way, is the fucking smartest thing that's happened this whole week. What is? Someone dragged someone in is not in the freaking, you know, bubble, right? Not a pro surfer, not a commentator, not a fucking whoever, you know? Like, that's just a grommet, And, like, that that was a bit of Pat O'Connor thinking, I think. It was just, like, a little bit of grommet thinking, like, let's just get some kid involved, whatever, you know?
0: Pat's still a grom. He still thinks that way. That's the thing.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh,
0: Alright, a couple of wrap-up questions. Number one... Um, What is your diet regime? You and your brother are the fittest humans for your age. Yesterday, I saw you after you were paddling. I was like, wait a second. What the heck, dude?
6: (laughs) You're like a cyborg. (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, I don't know. I guess like a long time ago, I I kind of like... um, I was really struck by something that I read in a surf mag once um, about Jerry Lopez and about how he'd been doing all these... um, uh, gut exercises on that that gut wheel thing that they used to use before all those machines got invented for gym work. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the um, I can't remember who said it, but someone was being interviewed and they said, "Oh, Lopez is up to like 200 uh, movements on the gut wheel. He's going for the longevity, you know." And I guess like not that left stuck with me a bit, and then as i start started to kind of like get a bit older like into my 30s i, I started thinking i'm going for longevity you know like i, I, I really truly really want to surf well uh, as long as i possibly can in my life and so that means you you gotta be tuned you gotta stay tuned and you gotta do other stuff and you gotta do that for your mind too so like i do a lot of swimming ton of swimming i do uh, a lot of like australian surf racing stuff paddle boarding uh surf ski paddling uh iron person racing things like that uh that's for me it's probably more like that stuff and than diet you know how how strict is your diet not that strict that's good to know i just don't eat that much food (laughs) that's key yeah yeah
0: um uh, God. Oh, what surf media do you follow, and what do you actually enjoy? Where do you find value in surf media nowadays?
6: Um, I, fa- I find my most value in surf media in 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 entertainment, um, because I think the level of information I get on a day to day basis about surfing through my own sources uh, and is is much greater generally than any of the surf news sites that I, that I see out there, like they don't really seem to know anything more than what I would know before I even read their stories, so I, I look for entertainment uh, which is why I love Beach Grid because it's so fucking funny and, and uh, like no one seems to really give a shit, you know like they uh, um, a lot of the stories are written um, not out of regard for the factual structure of things, or whatever, but just out of the sheer um, pleasure of writing, uh, which I find entertaining. Um, but uh, like, I'm also really avid about like like I gain a lot of information about my own surfing life from things that aren't surf media. Um, uh, a lot of the background. Um, weather sites, stuff where I can access weird information that you can't get from, you know, (laughs) magic seaweed. Uh. (laughs) Zing. Uh,
0: Was there a niche that surf magazines filled for you in your youth or even a decade ago that they're not now, and is there a way for them to kind of correct
6: course? Correct course. Uh, Yeah, I think the world's moved on from uh, the, the kinds of surf magazines I was drawn to as a kid you know um because uh at the time those surf mags like tracks in particular for me um uh were they were the heartbeat of the surf community and everybody you had to buy that mag and you had to read it uh to understand where you were with surf culture what it what it even was you know um And it was still being invented at the time as well, which was, like, a tremendously exciting thing to be caught up in when I was young and started writing for surf mags. I felt like I was, like, engaging in the actual invention of the culture at the time, you know? And I just don't think that's really, you know, um... It's not going on in the same way, and it's certainly not available to the monthly surf mags, but, um you know the big gun mags i mean you know like surfers Journal is probably the most popular surf mag in the world right now and you can see why right it's like it's not just addicted to or it doesn't need to be the news mag it doesn't need to be the community thing uh it can it can be the kind of not even the voice of god it can be a, like a reflective place where surfers can go and have a little think about their last surf even you know
0: The detail about surf culture was still being defined i think now surf culture is so diverse like there isn't just one look or one style of surfing or one style of boards like there are so many kind of genres of surfing that you can't even keep up with it all really and everybody has their own interpretation and as of 2018 it includes cowboy culture you know what i mean like i was in texas last week there's laminates on the board with a Texas state flag that says pool toy on the surfboard that was made in California. You know what I mean? Sick! I and, love
6: hearing that shit.
0: Yeah, and um, they have a surf ride surf shop there, which is a, a brand of retail stores in Southern California, and they have branded product with, like, spears on it and longhorn steers and stuff like that.
6: Yeah, yeah. I, I think all that's really interesting, you're right, David. It, it is impossible to keep track of all the little diverse threads in surf culture. I guess where it is still really being strongly invented is um, uh, for girls and women Um, that's easily the best thing going on in surfing right now is the the continued open doors Um, uh, and it's also the source of some of the most dispiriting shit in surf culture Um, uh, of couple of weeks ago in Lennox Head in northern New South Wales um, a 56 year old guy I, I know his name I won't say it here because it's like what they call judice; it's subject to the court proceedings um, uh, held underwater a great Australian uh, woman surfer called Jodie Cooper held her head underwater let her up, held her head down again and let up and pushed her head down underwater again and held her there until she apparently lost consciousness. Uh, this is a level of male and female viciousness that we've seen infected other areas of society. Um, and it just sickens me to think that it's become part of surf culture. Uh, can I say to any men out there who's... Surf rage gets the better of them. That if you inflict that kind of punishment on anybody in the water, um, you want to question yourself really closely. You go have a fucking good look in the mirror because that doesn't belong here. And if it involves somebody who's smaller than you, who you're engaged in sex role bullying, right? Don't just have a good look at yourself. Just quit surfing. Get the fuck out
7: of it.
0: raw and epic take from a man with four decades of surf journalism and a more shredded physique than you or i thank you nick carroll he's not the last conversation in this series i'm going to close out with my childhood favorite surfer pat o'connell before we get to pat i owe congratulations to the winners of the surf ranch pro presented by hurley carissa moore and gabriel medina epic display of surfing and epic display of just embracing the arena's energy. A huge factor in this weekend. Um, that also means that we have five winners of the Hurley Pro Team Series poll that have also been decided. Uh, congratulations to Brendan and Ollie, both without a last name, but I do have your email uh, addresses. Buddha Smith or Butta Smith, Paul Norton, David Yamashita. I will get in touch with all of you. Uh, Send you an email shortly and get you dialed in. Thank you so much for playing, everybody. And, of course, everyone can still win by getting 20% off everything at Hurley.com just by using our promo code PODCAST. By the way, that's only valid until October 7th, so take advantage of it before then. Bang out your holiday shopping. Treat yourself. Buy your favorite Athletes Pro Series line of apparel. Hurley.com. Promo code PODCAST. Thanks a million to everyone. This is David Scales off script at the Surf Ranch Pro presented by Hurley. Thanks to everyone. I will let Pat O'Connell sign us off. Enjoy. Story time. <laughs> I was, 1998. I think it was like March. Open up Surfing Magazine in science class in high school. Center article was... Entitled Tears of a Clown. Oh
7: my and it God. W- do you remember this? You've done some real research. This, isn't re- this is straight from my memory bank. Wow. That's much better than my memory bank. Do you actually remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. What did that article do for your career? Well, it was interesting. So it was my uh, dear friend, Evan Slater, who uh, was editor at Surfer Magazine at the time. And uh, Steve Barilotti, who is an absolute amazing human, uh, he was the writer. And, you know, it's funny when you do something like that um, because there's a lot of trust. You know, I I probably spent, you know, 10 days roughly off and on with Steve just kind of sort of living a day in the life. Um, And so kind of just talking about random stuff. And so you never know what, uh, you know, writers or someone that's looking at your life from, I guess, the outside perspective um, what they're going to pull from your life, and so that's what it was and it was uh, it was an interesting time for me too because at that time um, you know Todd Jesser had passed away uh, you know not not too long before then so it was you know I think everybody um, well at the time I had done the in the summer and I think um, yeah, I think everybody uh, I'm sort of always laughing, never really taking anything too serious um, but obviously there's certain things you do yeah what i want to chat
0: with you about is hurley's involvement with this event and like what's interesting kind of from the outside looking in is the wsl is kind of adapting their business model every year improving it i think and then also struggling to find kind of endemic sponsors versus non-endemics and we're looking at the tour schedule next year and it's a lot of you know unsponsored events why is hurley supporting events and why this event specifically
7: yeah it's a it's a (laughs) there's a lot um look we we're huge supporters of the WSL I think uh, Dirk Sophie I think just everything they're doing in professional surfing um, when we started um, with the ASP and then obviously WSL we had trusles and, and then we went into US Open uh, we have felt as a brand that we don't we want to be around at more of the events not necessarily spend all your money in one weekend um, and, and so our approach this year has been very different. What we've decided to do, we partnered at five events with the WSL. Um, Surf French this is the last one. Um, we're in Bali, we're in Tahiti, we're in uh, Brazil and WA. Um, and the idea was, is that, look, for us, it's important. We, it's kind of like we look at the WSL as a place that we want to support, we believe in. We obviously have a lot of athletes on the tour. Um but we want to be there all year and not just at one space. And so, um, you know, as they start to build this model and and, and have to make some changes, obviously, um, I, I felt that the way that we can sort of help them um, is we the industry can bring the spice and fun. We can bring the youth. Um, do we need to be on the top of every? Uh, banner and thing. I, I don't believe we do. That's been my my felt uh, my feelings for a really long time. Um, ideally, is that we're yeah we're they're they're holding the dinner and we're coming with the wine and the and the fun stuff to make it really great. But you know, hopefully, some of the non endemics come in and they realize all this amazing stuff that we're going to bring every time. That's kind of what I I, I hope the the vision would be. Um, it's, it's a lot harder than that, you know. Um, but, you know, I think... Again, I, I think they're doing a lot of the right things it's just you know again like uh it's a matter of getting a couple moments and wins and and uh yeah I think they're they're picking away at them you know I think the other day the announcements of the women's uh equal uh equal pay is a was was fantastic it just puts it in everyone's face and it shows that surfing and the WSL is very progressive and thinking forward which is a really good thing
0: hurley's investing in the marriage not the one big expenditure of the wedding that's one
7: weekend you know yeah it's a great way to put it and Um, yeah and it's interesting what like this has been our first year um to and just to see hey how does it how did it work yeah you know and yeah who are your picks men and women's pick for the event Well, we're doing pretty good we've got lakey and Chris at one and two um, so I'm feeling really good uh, On the men, I think No, no, no <laughs> I think Hey, I think I've made my picks I, We've so invested One you, pick for the women One oh, pick for the men Oh, jeez You know who I wouldn't, I wouldn't come out and say uh, I thought Caroline looked incredible I yeah. don't think she's going to win Because I think Lakey and Chris Are going to tie for first Oh, cheap, dude Okay, men then. I, I, I Look, if Felipe can, can finish a left I think he'll he'll get the win. Interesting. He'll finish left. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Pat. Thank you.